The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Not quite everybody yet, but it's one o'clock, so I'll get started. Well, we're at the last meeting of our of our year together. September seems like a long time ago in another world, doesn't it, from where we are now? So uh, I was just reflecting on how how good it is to have this path. You know, all the factors in the path. What if we were facing, you know, what we're going through now without ever having heard of right view? You know, the idea that that life that suffering is a part of life, that, that, that illness and old age and death are parts of life and that change happens and that uh, when everything changes in ways we don't expect, we have some tools to work with and we can look inside of ourselves, we can look at our own minds and hearts and we can really try to understand what, what we're clinging to from what's gone and whether that's helping or not. And then we can set our intentions toward generosity and kindness and non-ill will and non-cruelty. And that's so, so helpful to know that we have this refuge in our own intentionality and in our own minds and hearts. And no matter what's going on in the world or how the world is reacting to it, we can find this this path through our own minds and hearts and we can orient to it and find our way and then you know speech and action my goodness the world you know there's there's beautiful actions going on and there's some not so skillful actions going on and and speech is all over the place you know but we can we can steady ourselves in our own exploration of what is really wise and helpful speech and action and how can we contribute that to this situation and to all the other situations that are going on in the world and livelihood right now livelihoods in crisis for so many people you know and perhaps for many of you so in terms of making money that is but in terms of how we spend our time how we spend our energy We've still got choices. We've still got ways that we can use this time. We can use this time to cultivate all these other beautiful qualities that we're talking about. Some of us are finding it a gift to be at home. And everything that Gil is doing with his livelihood at the moment, offering all these wonderful resources online and discovering this whole community of people in the world who want to tune in. You know, so there's mysterious gifts in the area of even livelihood right now. And then, of course, still still out there is all of our how we interact with society, how we use resources, how we're going to continue to live together. So it's so beautiful that all of you have spent this whole year looking at these factors and really, really examining your own minds and hearts as far as how that works. And now we're coming, we're coming to the last factor, which is part of the, the last three which are really the meditation factors, the mental cultivation factors. So we're going a little more deeply than what we can just do in, um, you know, by sort of 
whatever force of intention we happen to have or whatever our good intentions are. So it's interesting to me to look at these three levels of sort of going deeper and um, purifying our intentionality and deepening our view. So there's a level where it relates really to our behavior, where we're no longer acting out in ways that actively cause harm. So maybe we've been working on that a lot this year. And then there's the level of looking at what's arising inside as thoughts and thoughts and um, emotions arise and working at calming the inner waters so that it's not always a struggle between what's arising inside and what we know we shouldn't act out. So really these factors of effort, mindfulness, and concentration are working together to kind of calm the inner waters and make that that inner milieu less of a struggle with our deeper values and then as we do that it begins to open the door to insight deeper insights which can really uproot the deep-seated roots that drive this kind of unhelpful behavior and ultimately lead to deep release of the underlying causes of all that so those those that's kind of a one view of how the practice deepens. And we're now at the today when we take up uh, this factor of concentration or samadhi, as we're going to mostly talk about it with using the Pali word. Um, we're really coming to that point of trying to settle and calm the inner environment. So that's the theme of, uh, of samadhi. And we'll spend this afternoon talking about it, cultivating it, and doing a bit of review of the whole program. So Liz and Tanya are with me as my wonderful co-teachers this afternoon, and we'll begin with a guided meditation from Liz. So welcome, everyone. Um, This is a, a lovely opportunity just to recognize what's here right now, and then to see... Uh, feel how things progress as we go through this meditation. So um, taking, I'm just going to start a timer and taking your time to notice before you begin, notice how you are in this moment. Um, If you have difficulty hearing me, you can raise your hand. Uh, But just allow yourself to take all the time you need to settle in, to gently close your eyes or place them somewhere that feels comfortable and neutral. And allow all the time you need to settle like the snow in a snow globe drifting gently down. Allowing the body to gradually settle into the posture that feels relaxed and also attentive. Receiving whatever is present in the body right now. 
the sensations that are present as you settle, sounds that are present, thoughts that are present, emotions. <clears throat> Whatever is here, allowing it into the field of awareness. without any concern. Allowing whatever is here to arise and to pass. Receiving what enters awareness No need to go out towards anything Just allowing things to arise and pass in the body, in the mind, in the field of awareness. Perhaps checking in with the body. Noticing any sensations in the head. The cheeks. And the muscles around the eyes. If there is any tension there or tightness, seeing if it's possible with awareness to allow it to soften a little. Allowing the jaw to soften, 
mouth. Letting awareness and noticing will do the work for you. As if awareness brings a gentleness with it. A relaxed attention. Letting the shoulders ease. Perhaps they relax a little and lower themselves a little. Letting the weight of the arms and hands Simply rest. Feeling into the chest, the gentle waves of the in-breath. In the out breath, however the breathing is naturally, is fine, allowing it, receiving the in-breath, releasing the out-breath. Softening the belly, releasing the hips, the legs, allowing gravity to do the work. Receiving you completely. Resting in the effortlessness of gravity, receiving all of you. Releasing into gravity.
allowing yourself to receive the breathing. Wherever it is most prominent or you feel it the most strongly, Allowing awareness to rest there. Feeling the gentle tide of the in-breath and the out-breath. Rising and passing with ease, with awareness of whatever it is. The tide of breathing in the tide of breathing out. Gently cultivating awareness of the full in-breath and the full out-breath. Allowing breathing to fill the awareness. And if other things are present in awareness, sounds, thoughts, feelings, perhaps simply allowing them to drift gently into the background. While in the foreground, you receive the in-breath flowing in and the out-breath flowing out.
receiving each breath just as it is. And the next breath, just as it is. Being with the whole breath. Letting it fill the awareness. Letting awareness bathe the breath and the body with kind, soft attention on whatever is here.
perhaps noticing even the tiniest bit of ease Noticing anything that's nourishing or helpful in the awareness of breathing in and out. Resting with anything that's
noticing any settledness or stillness any ease any spaciousness that's arising. It's a small amount, a droplet, or an ocean wide and broad, any amount of settledness. Or stillness, any okayness with how things are, allowing, receiving. And as we come towards the end of the meditation, appreciating what you have been cultivating, every small amount that you've cultivated contributes. Every moment you receive 
inclines towards peace, inclines towards cultivating stillness and ease. Every second of awareness contributes towards cultivating freedom. Taking your time, when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So can everybody hear me? Okay, Zoom is having a little bit of a problem this morning, so I hope it's all right. Um, I want to talk a little about, about this factor that's called right concentration. And I want to start with the word, as we often do, because... You know, we're working our way and translating this language into English, and we're discovering what some of the associations are that aren't, aren't helpful. So concentration is a good word because in, in a way it is about learning to manage our attention so that it's not just pulled off in a thousand directions at once or pulled into our habits of, of uh you know, ways of soothing ourselves that are maybe not optimal anymore, all sorts of things so that it doesn't lead to unwise speech and action. So it is about cultivating some, cultivating the powers that we have over our attention. 
But also concentration for many people has a sort of bearing down. You can almost feel the furrow between your eyebrows when you think about concentrating. And I know sometimes when, I, when I'm on retreat or something and the, the theme of concentration comes up, I immediately start trying too hard. And I immediately think, oh, I'm supposed to do something or make something happen here. And that, that's a pattern of mine that this word can trigger. So we've gone to liking just the word samadhi, which is a beautiful word. And it really doesn't have that tight focus, especially that furrowed brow feeling to it. It's a much more open, settled, composed, relaxed sense centered and relaxed so that the attention just isn't interested in jumping out and going out to find things to feed on and stir up. It's just settled, centered, composed, steady. It's a state of of well-being. It's a collectedness. It's an ease. It's a coming together of the whole mind and the whole body. They're not separate, no part left out. Um, there's this image that Liz alluded to of the snow globe settling, or I also like this image a lot of people are using. Imagine a bowl with lots of marbles, and somehow there's kind of a magnet magnetism outside the bowl, you know, that's keeping them spinning around and jumping all over and jumping out of the bowl sometimes. And so somehow gradually, gradually through our practice and our insight and our understanding of what really serves us and what doesn't, this magnetism begins to loosen and settle down. And the momentum of these spinning balls settles and they begin to settle and circle and settle and circle down and to come to rest in the bottom of the bowl. In a way, that bowl is literally our the hara, you know, the deep parts of our of our core and our belly where we can come to rest. Lots of foundations in the body that we can come to rest on. And then, and then I love this thing that uh, Venerable Analio, who's a wonderful monk I've been taking a class from recently. He said he used to think of concentration as meaning dive forward and push everything, pushing everything else aside, kind of repressing everything else. And now he does this beautiful gesture of thinking, oh, it's like including everything, including everything, letting awareness include everything and bring it, bring it in, let it settle, let it be, let it go, let it be, let it in, whatever is appropriate to what's happening in a way that's accepting and unifying and harmonizing. So it's not struggling with our experience trying to make things stop. And that's where our mindful awareness comes in of gradually meeting aspects of our experience and discovering that when they meet them, they can gradually release like hundreds of little fists all over our system are gradually letting go of their clinging and whatever energy was bound up in that clinging is free to join this harmonious flow through the body of, of uh, this centering and settling flow. So it's not at all helpful, I think, to get hung up on the goal of getting concentrated. Um, it's helpful to learn to enjoy the process. Really, it's true of this, that the journey is the, journey is the point. 
and the journey keeps deepening and keeps deepening the more we aren't focused on forcing ourselves to get somewhere that we really don't even know where that is exactly all along the way of this process of learning how to settle and center wisdom is being developed skillfulness kindness happiness compassion all that is being developed all along the way And some of the deeper experiences that are possible when all this is finally happening, they're a fruit of our practice. They're a gift. They're grace when they happen. You can't make them happen. I, so many times I, on retreat, I've worked and worked and worked trying to get concentrated. And then it's the minute when I give up, you know, and the bell rings and I go out and have a cup of tea and give up. Then I fall into sometimes a very beautiful state of samadhi just because I've let go of that extra energy and that extra striving. But also, you know, you can drift off and kind of daydream and really not be making any effort at all. So it does take some effort. You know, if it didn't take any effort, the whole world would would be having this. So it takes a certain kind of wisdom to notice what's going on with your attention. Is it fragmenting? Or is it collecting? So a uh, talk recently that I Diana Clark gave, she, she had this beautiful thing where she talked about the spectrum of uh, concentration or samadhi, where you're kind of moving from where things are painful to where things are more pleasant and more happy. So she called it the ouch to ah spectrum. And somewhere along there, you move gradually along that spectrum. And it's moving from fragmented to more whole. You know, there's not so much trying to separate, trying to disown parts of our experience or push them away, but there's a wholeness, not fragmented. And then moving from wobbly, kind of ricocheting attention all over the place to a certain steadiness, a steadiness of attention. So understanding that that's the direction, we can apply a little bit of wise effort, just enough wise effort to see if we can keep ourselves moving in that direction. And actually, the whole of our practice, it's not like this is an isolated factor that's last on the list that we're, you know, finally getting to. The whole of the path and the whole of our practice is cultivating these same qualities. There are specific, you know, ways to work with it meditatively, which I'll say a little bit about in a while, but getting ourselves ready to be able to skillfully apply those methods is a lot of what all of our daily life practice is and our practice with the path. Because if, you know, sometimes you can hear specific instructions for concentration and the mind is just too, you know, the the agitation is just too rough to be able to do that without unnecessary force. So it's really a good idea to look at all of practice as, as, um, learning to work through the same process that then when it gets fairly calmed down, then we can apply some of these meditative instructions to. So, you know, and also these states come and go. I've, I've had many access to some beautiful states many years ago that haven't been around recently or on a retreat, they'll be there and then they're not, or they come and go and it comes and goes in waves. I like something that my, Uh, One teacher said many years ago, Michelle McDonald, who used to be an old teacher of mine, she talked about cycles of purity and purification. So, you know, as we relax to a certain level, then maybe some more stuff comes up that we weren't willing to see before and we're ready to see now. 
And then we might need to use all kinds of skillful means to work with that, you know, before we necessarily have immediate access to those states of calm that we might have touched into at some point. And then we sort of work through that. And then we have another purity phase where we're, we have access to these beautiful qualities. And then maybe something else comes along. And so we work with that some more using any means that we have. So some of these means might be really inquiring the way we've been doing, inquiring into our views. What am I believing here? What, what you know, really inquiring into what, what's, what's going on with me here? What is this? We can cultivate our intentions of kindness and generosity through metta practice or through acts of generosity, through reflection on what's important to us. We can look really closely at how we're bringing care to our daily life. Is there some way that the way that we're living our life is put in a different bucket than our attempts to settle and and have the fruits of samadhi? If so, it's going to be wobbly. So we can look at what we can do in our daily lives. And maybe sometimes we need to learn more skills, more opening body work, yoga, massage, something, some kind of body work. Maybe we need to work on some relational practices with another person therapist or a different kind of healer of some sort or or community service you know making connections to people that feel supportive to us being in nature is very supportive i love being in nature and tuning into the stillness of things like the steadiness of tree trunks right or the stillness of granite uh, maybe the spaciousness of the sky or the warmth and the light of sunlight. You know, all those qualities we can really soak in and they can resonate with us. And they're all qualities of samadhi. So um, as we do this very broad, general daily life practice, many lovely qualities are being cultivated. Kindness, patience, perseverance, Letting go of the judging mind, simplicity, ethical behavior, all those things are congruent with samadhi. They're, they're moving, they're, they're that, that motion of letting everything come in and be harmonized that is part of this process. All of it's contributing to this unfragmenting, whole, steady, and composed state of being. So... When we come to meditation practice, when we sit down and we, this is now a time that we're going to dedicate to meditation, to going deeper if we can, to really looking at the mind, the sort of edge of where it's possible to cultivate some more depth and stillness. This task is often described, approaching samadhi and meditation is described as learning to temporarily set aside or learn not to have the attention captured by what's called the five hindrances. So you may have heard of these, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, assuming that you have. And if you haven't, there are umpteen Dharma talks on the web. But they are uh, sensual, pleasure, ill will, restlessness, sloth and torpor, and doubt. So those What's one level of looking at the basic drives that normally in daily life, if we're not training ourselves, they drive our activities. You know, we go to the refrigerator, we yell at somebody, we we just zone out on the TV or we sleep all day long or we're just restlessly wandering from one thing to another. 
or we're just thinking all the time, trying to figure out everything about the whole cosmos before we think of looking inside at what's going on. So those energies are still with us when we sit down to meditate. So learning to recognize those energies and begin to be able to put them aside is how we cultivate samadhi in meditation. And it's very helpful in some way. I want to talk a little bit about the idea of a meditation object. So sometimes we talk about staying with the breath as a meditation object. There are lots of different ways to cultivate a steadiness of attention. And that the, the whole thing is, I actually love the open awareness practice. I love it, and it's probably what I do most of the time. But there is actually an object in that, in a way. There is a point, there is a reference point for what are we doing with our attention. And that reference point is this kind of settledness. So I just take settling and letting go, and non-clinging sort of is the point that I'm organizing my attention around when I'm doing open awareness practice. So it's not so effective to look at open awareness as just an excuse to daydream or to let the mind just jump from one thing to another without a unifying theme. So the unifying theme can be, or it could be right effort, you know, watching, am I trying to force this? Am I, am I for or against this? Am I really being receptive and letting in as Liz was guiding receptive to whatever's happening? And knowing clearly that I know it without a lot of interfering reactive energy. So all those things can be useful objects. And for many people or from time to time or at some point, it can be very useful to find a place that's natural for you to relax into the breath. I find I do a little open awareness for a while. And at some point, the breath is the main thing happening. And then I can kind of naturally settle. And I practiced for many years feeling the sensations of rise and fall in the belly. So sometimes I settle there. Sometimes the traditional thing of noticing the touch of the air on the tip of the nose, sometimes that comes to me as a natural place to relax. And so when something like that, when you start to settle around some experience of the breath like that, it's good to just recognize that that's happening. And then you can begin to cultivate these qualities of that the first two qual of five factors of developing samadhi, they're called in Pali, they're called vitaka and vichara. And it means the most, I think my favorite translation is aiming and connecting and then sustaining. So you, you come, the act of coming back over and over again and really connecting with what it is you're trying to stabilize your attention on. You need to do that. That's the bringing the puppy back to the paper over and over and over again, very gently, just reconnecting with that object. And then if you can, gradually it becomes possible to sustain that attention. So there's this lovely metaphor where in the suttas where the connecting is like having a soft cloth and a bowl and touching the bowl with the soft cloth. And then the connecting is where you really start to rub it and polish it. And it's a sort of growing intimacy with the details of your object where you're not, you're less and less drawn to leave it and come back. You can stay with it. 
because you're really kind of into the flow of it and the details. So that connecting deepens and deepens. And then the, the attention, that's sort of what demagnetizes all the pulls away from the attention and lets it settle is your interest in whatever you're trying to compose and settle your attention around. So as that interest grows, it naturally, this harmonizing, coming together and defragmenting effort deepens and deepens. And then at some point, um, it really, it becomes less effortful. The effort, it's like I'm, one of my teachers used to say, it starts out like an upside down U, you know, and the ball just rolls off. You're trying to put a ball on the top of it and the ball rolls off all the time. And gradually this U sort of turns around so that it's more U-like and the ball naturally tends to stay, stay in the middle and doesn't roll off. And so as the attention collects and gathers, then it becomes easier and more delightful to stay there. And then some of these positive qualities, it's the mind and the body love to be synced up and love to stay synced up for a good stretch of time. And the more we do that, the more a kind of natural joy and lightness and happiness can begin to arise. So there's some wonderful um, metaphors in the suttas for this. As this begins to happen and it can pervade the whole body, the metaphor is that it's like a soap maker in the old days who takes dry powder and works water all the way through it and works water. You could think of bread making, which I guess is very popular these days, but you're working, you're working water and flour together until it's completely homogenized. And it's like letting this joy, this happiness, this relaxation just pervade your whole being. So that can, that can be a phase that happens. And then there can be an upwelling of a kind of energetic sort of happiness. Some people have very strong releases. It's it just so variable what happens, you know, whether you have a strong energetic releases or whether it's all very gentle and, and calm. It can be a whole range of things. And eventually it sort of settles down into a mental sort of happiness where it's just a very sweet, very sweet happiness. And these are, these are compared to being like in a cool, in a lake, that has an upwelling that it's fed by an underground stream in the center of the lake. So there's this upwelling energy and it's not coming from outside anymore. It's coming from within this upwelling of well-being. And then it becomes like a lotus that's completely underwater and completely suffused with this cool water, very still and completely richly suffused. And then gradually the attention gets unmoving at some point where the attention does not, it's very still. This is the heart of stillness in meditation and the mind does not move. And that's compared to a person whose entire body is covered with a single white sheet. Just still covered with this sheet. So that is a natural lawful unfolding of experiences that can happen if we're able to get to the point where we can apply wise effort in this, in this connecting and sustaining phase and then allow it to settle into this, to these uh, deepening states of pleasantness. 
So I think it's good to know about those phases. It's, uh, it's always a little, you know, it sets up wanting for that to happen and why isn't this happening to me and so forth. So, and it's, you know, it takes sometimes, often it takes special conditions where we're, we're so, you know, for me, it took retreat practice where I was so far removed from the anxieties of daily life that I was able to let go enough, let go enough to finally allow some of these things to happen. So, you know, it's, it's good to know that this is possible, that there is deep, deep, satisfying states of happiness that are possible on this path. And it's really touching into those deep states of happiness that begin to uproot, that begin to calm the mind, that begin, well, these open us to, traditionally, it's not these that uproot, because you can also get kind of addicted to these states. But they calm the mind to the point where you can see clearly what's going on. You're calm enough that then you can really notice what's taking you out of those states, what's starting to be agitating. You see that in the deeper, deeper releases happen and into ultimate releases of things that are far beyond your control to decide you want to release. But it it happens and that's the direction of the path. So um just wanted to say a little bit about some of the benefits. Let me just check my time, yes, I'm supposed to stop now. Okay, I'll save this for the for the later part of the day, talking about some of the benefits that can come from even a little bit of this, just holding this intention, just understanding this direction of practice being to settle, defragment, compose, relax, above all, relax, relaxed and aware with a mind that's that's bright and clear with awareness and a heart that's very soft and warm and at ease and body that's very deeply relaxed and composed and centered. So that's the direction to keep in mind. And that's really enough. It's just to understand that direction of practice and everything will unfold if you have that wholesome understanding of the direction in mind. So, um, I think with that, I will turn it over to Tanya to lead us in a breakout group. Great. Well, first, let me thank you both for such a lovely talk and meditation. I just feel like that was wonderful. And Chris, I don't seem to have the capacity to do the breakout sessions. I will make the breakout sessions if you will just explain. Great. Great. So uh, something. Let me just say, I do not have a chat. I don't know what's going on with Zoom today. Yeah, I don't. Know it's on. Yeah, yeah. Don't try to chat to us; it won't be seen. Yeah, yeah. Um. So what we want to do now is do a breakout into small groups. Um, we'll be roughly four people per per, per group um, to give you guys a chance to talk about sort of what is it that supports you. And connecting with your with the settling, connecting with you know the experience that allows the marble to come to the bottom of the you, um, or the the snow to sort of come to ground. What helps you kind of tune into some of the positive states in a way that that is supportive and not this chasing and trying to make happen, but 
what what is it? What is it that helps you find contentment, find that space of of wholeness, of not trying to push anything away, right? Of allowing and just settling. So this is this is really the topic of a conversation for the small groups. And we want you to go sort of around in a circle and let one person share one sentence or idea. Not too much talking per person, just a, enough. And then the next person and cons- continue to just go around and allow what comes forward to be a group process of unfolding. You don't need to plan what you're going to say. You get to be changed and impacted by what the person before you said, right? And just sort of trusting and allowing for each of you to contribute to the, the qualities and experiences and activities maybe even that help with your, your connecting and your settling. Any questions about that? Okay, and it looks like, let me just click on the other page. Any questions? Just last, great, looks like we're ready, Chris. And there, I think there'll be 15 minutes, right, in this group? There will be 15 minutes in this group, yes. And it will send out a message. Uh, it, you have a minute after it sends out the message, so. That's okay. Here we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. I hope you had a good, good time connecting with each other. We're going to take a few minutes here. Um, we'd love to get some feedback about how this was for you, sort of highlights or benefits about your small discussion. So we can share them together and then we'll take a break. Oh, we'll actually, and then we'll allow for some question and answer too. So um, we do have a page and a half worth of people. So um if you, you know, you can try raising your hand up um, if you want to share. Um, and um, you can also go to participant and find yourself and you can push the raise hand function as well. Um, and that will help us um, know who, who has things to share. So it would be really nice to hear a little bit about how that was to connect around um, the experience of settling and what supports it for each of you. Anybody open to the sharing about your group? Great, Jane. Go ahead and unmute yourself. Yeah. I just, um, you know, the whole Zoom and the uh, transition from meeting in person to meeting here is. Uh, um, I have to say that uh, I really appreciate the sharing that our group did because it's new ways and adaptive ways of that I would have never thought of on my own and had a very uh, experienced group of people um, in my group. And so I'm, I feel really fortunate to be here and to, to learn. Nice, Jane. Thank you. If anyone, I just wanted to mention too that um, as people share, I usually keep my view on gallery so I can kind of get a good view. But during this sharing, you may want to put speaker view up for yourself so that when the person is talking, 
they, you can see more of them and feel more of them because this is kind of going to what Jane is talking about, right? How do we feel more connected um, in this environment, in this, in this, you know, way? So sometimes it's nice to have this gallery and sometimes using the speaker view is, is really helpful. Is anybody else willing to share anything? Rom has something. Okay. Yes. Um, it, it was a great uh, discussion we had in the group. One thing, this and the other uh, Zoom meetings I've been attending, it's becoming clear that we are all coping and facing and dealing with the situation on our own way, where the teaching seems to be pretty powerful is to make a deliberate effort to look inwards. Outside is a lot more chaos and things that I can't control. So when it comes to my concentration practice, just grounding on my, into my body, uh, I was explaining in my team about the Satipatthana course I'm taking with Piccolo where it bre breaks it down into the, the anatomy elements and death, further gives me more time to concentrate into my body, <laughs> right? It is... Uh, I, I see and uh, reflect with so many people having, I would thought about, I wish it could be this way or I wish it could be like what it was in the past. Uh, first of all, it gives me a feeling I'm not alone with this. And second, more importantly, the inward focus is a lot more helpful than to even uh, spend time and energy thinking things I can't control. Yeah, thank you, Ram. You know, one, one thought I had as I was coming into the session today was this question arose for me is, well, how is this particular situation both making concentration more difficult and maybe easier in some ways, you know? Um, but what, what about for other people? Any other sharing from your group that anyone's willing to? Oh, great, Betsy, please. Unmute. Building on Ram's conversation about uh, looking inward, but really working with this time and the multiple changes of routine, because as well as not being able to be amongst one another to lend one another the, the collected um, consciousness, the pointers that we borrow from one another when we're together. Um, a couple of us in our group had gone through some positional changes um, because of equipment not being available and and for me because of um, something's just happened physically that's changed my positioning and I really wanted to reflect more um, my, myself on um, how routines how routines quietly become crutches and how I can work most effectively with with changes in routine most graciously and um, attentively to these changes that inevitably come particularly as we age mm. 
And this has been such a, um, it, because it unsettles, there's an opportunity to see it resettle. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Liam has his hand up. Um, so we uh, talked a little bit about how um, we now have more unstructured time and sort of less pla- fewer places to be. Um, and so by being in quarantine, we're sort of forced into a kind of simplicity where we don't have to deal with as much external stimuli and kind of, you know, goings about in the world and um, running around and, you know, dealing with traffic and lots of other people. And so kind of the pace of, uh, and, and we've been at it for, you know, quite some time now, weeks and weeks, um, I guess over two months actually. Um, and, um, you know, it, it sort of changes the pace in which we can um, um, engage in it. I, I think for, for us, it's helping, it was helping our group to settle in a little bit. Nice. Nice. Kate? As a process and as a small group, I would like to compliment the guys in the group. I was with my husband and three other guys, and unlike many other settings and friendship groups, no, they didn't jump in. Everybody waited, and so finally I said, well, let's get started, and repeated the question, and then handed it over to somebody. And um, it could be that they were all introverts and I'm an extrovert, or it could be that the benefits of the practice over time are leading people to be more thoughtful about people in general, male and female, to jumping in or not. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. It sounds like that was meaningful for you to feel like there was space. It, it was. In other uh, groups and sometimes in my family, I need to, um, uh, as my husband says, act like a New Yorker. And I'm not. I'm a Southern Californian. <laughs> uh, but we have New Yorkers in our family. So, um, you know, or you, have to, you just have to butt in or you don't have a, a choice. It was very meaningful to me. Nice. Anybody else want to share? Jill? Yes, thank you. Um, I was particularly pleased to take something that Chris had said just before we, well, in the, in the minutes before we went into our breakout groups that there can be times when you have achieved a level of concentration and being settled and you're able to enjoy that and work with it. And then suddenly something comes along to cause unsettling. And it's not from, in my experience, I'm not describing the same thing as some, thought train invades and you have to deal with that. But specifically it's it's some mechanism enters and you, and I, I begin to feel unsettled and I can't quite put my finger on it. And 
I am really going to work on her description that it could be that because you've achieved, and I, I think these are perhaps my term, not hers, but it's almost like I had achieved a layer. I was down to layer X of being, feeling settled and knowing how to manage that and get my thinking and my mind and my body together. But then I'm suddenly uncovering another layer. So I'm very excited about having a chance to use it as, oh no, this is something that's derailed. But no, it's just a progression. It's just the fact that now you get to take another step. So I'm very thankful for that. Thank you, Chris. And um, it so nicely ties into the whole idea of concentration. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Nice. Do I see any? Ah, yes, Donna. Hi. You want to unmute yourself? Hold on here. Maybe I'll do it for you. Oh, there you go. Oh. I think I've been tending there. They were telling me that I'm going in and out, so uh, let me know if that's happening. But I was just thinking as I was listening to people that our world right now, in a way it's sort of, for some of us, a forced slowdown where um, the many things that pull us in many different directions can't happen. You know, whether we love them or don't love them, we can't do them. And because I was thinking, well, I sort of miss the retreat atmosphere, you know, not being able to go to a scheduled retreat that I want to go to. Um, and yet there, it's, it's, it's kind of clear to me in moments that have happened um, during this time that there's that sort of forced slowdown that um, is really kind of also opens doors. You know, I was thinking that Darlene Cohen has a book about um, the one who is not busy, you know, and um, we're sort of forced into that, even though this can be busy too, but not, not in quite the same way. So... Yeah. Thank you, Jonna. Yeah. Anybody else? And uh, so, just also, any other any questions before we take a break? No. So I think we'll take a 10-minute break. Um, it's 2.33, so let's be back at 2.43. that work for everybody? Okay. So this next um, portion, I kind of... I'm a little bit inspired by um, the idea behind what we're going to invite next. Um, and one way to refer to it is um, the group Dharma talk, a group Dharma talk. And, you know, this is sort of like the graduating class moment, right? Where this is the last time we as a community in this form will come together and, 
So what, what we're going to do is invite, I will, um, I will ask each person to speak. Um, and I think we'll just do it that way so that it, it's easier with the flow, right? And you're very welcome to say very little, you know, if you just want to say your name and um, where you're at, um, that's fine. But it's also, this is an opportunity to, um, and I'll give you a second to reflect before we start, right? But this is an opportunity to sort of let something well up inside of you um, come to the surface and be shared that is a symbol or representation or aspiration um, that has come out of this process together, this eightfold path process, engagement and study, starting with, you know, right view, sort of how we see things, you know, and then right resolve or right intention with that right view. What, comes what wants to come forward what becomes our intention you know with the speech then you know what is what is it that we have learned and been moved by as we've studied the importance of wise speech and then our actions you know what does that mean to us and our livelihood you know all these ways that the path is sort of expanding from, you know, sort of this, maybe something that would maybe be considered more internal and how that comes out and how we begin to express. So, and then we move into sort of the kind of um, factors of wisdom and in concentration, right? Sort of our, uh, wisdom is the start, action in the world, and then the concentration, you know, the mindfulness. So we've got, effort and what effort we need to put in and how maybe that's changed with our current situation, the mindfulness, and then this concentration factor. So there's no pressure here. This is really just actually a beautiful moment in my view to have the community give a Dharma talk. One thought at a time, one voice at a time, one personal expression at a time. So maybe take a moment to close your eyes and not think, but listen. Not try and figure out your answer, but listen to what is true and what rises up inside of you. Aspiration the hope, the new understanding, the wisdom that has come through difficulty of our current situation. Just tuning in, listening, and feeling it in your body.
Chris and Liz, is there anything else you want to add before we start inviting people to share? Any other thoughts? Oh, I was just appreciating in the sharing that you did from your groups, the immediacy of how you were sharing that, you know, the the qualities that you experienced in your group and in this unusual time that we're living in, how you were connecting that to what you were learning about the Eightfold Path and about Samadhi. So just wherever you are right now in this moment can be as much as a, of a snapshot of how the path is living in you as, as anything else. As a person who's actually, believe it or not, in groups like this, in situations like this, quite shy about speaking up, I kind of dread those end-of-retreat go-arounds. I I just want to say, you know, don't stress about this. Just, you know, it's a chance to say hi, for the group to connect a little more and build a little more community. So if if nothing is welling up for you, please just share your name and let us see you. And I, I love Tanya's suggestion earlier that you might put on speaker view so that each person really comes up alive as it's their turn to speak. And we can just bow to each other. And I, I would also love to hear, you know, any of the things that, ta- that we've all described that we're inviting you to offer. And also just pointing out that it actually does need to be somewhat brief. So we have 30 people. So, you know, we're really not, not, not expecting a, a full Dharma talk segment from each of you. <laughs> so anyway, please, please be at ease with this process. Great. So um, on, as I see my screen, the first person that I would invite to speak would be Jan. And then the next person would be Ron. Okay. I'm Jan from San Jose. And um, I would just like to say that this program this is program really, is really- had an impact on me and um, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, this is Ram uh, from San Jose as well. Uh, First of all, my sincere gratitude to Chris, Liz and Tanya and Bruni, who's not here today. I learned a lot from this course. And one thing I would summarize it is I get a new perspective of life and living through this course. Mm -hmm. It's how I approach it uh, has been changing through this last eight months. I'm so grateful for what IMC and particularly your teachers. Thank you. Mm. And then the next row I have um, Betsy and Jonna and Liam and then um, Bart. And Jane. So, Betsy. Thank you, Tanya. Um, The first thing that came to my mind when you posed this was that I've I've gone through this Eightfold Path program now um, a number of times so that I don't quite remember how many. And the beauty in that is, is... tremendous and I have this um, attachment to the seasonality of the practice 
so that I have strong associations with the month that we're in and the factor that I'm cultivating. Um, And also, I mean, so somewhat like a farmer, the seasonality to the way that the eightfold path works and that the harvesting, I can truly see now, though I used to have great intimidation about this particular path factor of concentration, how it's become a more natural byproduct of the rest of our work. So a lovely settling in there. But also, I think most profound throughout this year and not alone this year is almost as if I'm on a subway and there's always, there's always support. There's always support at hand, whether it is leaning on one another or, or reaching for the, for a handle that is nearby. And so I just want to bow to each and all of you for being here and witnessing this with me. Thank you for the teachings. Thank you, Betsy. Jana. You're, you're muted. Okay, can you hear me? Yeah. Um, I was thinking of uh, there's kind of this wonderful line in the um, the sutras in the uh, in Zen that is uh, something about of all the Buddhas on as many as the sands uh, the sand of the shore um, were to attempt to judge our meditation or our zazen or whatever we want to call it in whatever aspect of Buddhism we're in um, you can't judge it. And so I was thinking that um, sort of in this forced slowdown and in all the things we're doing, whether it's Zoom for to, to try to attempt to connect um, with Sangha, if it, is, um, if it is our meditation that we judge as being not so great or could be better or whatever that that I have the profound feeling that in spite of all that it is softening us mm. you know? and so you know whatever the struggles are whatever um, particular hindrance or whatever we feel uh, we have or whatever um, it's still uh, really softens us I think you know I was reminded of this the other day when I I had stopped on the side of the road because I saw a mother deer standing there and I couldn't figure out what she was doing until I saw her dead baby. And when I saw that and I had pulled over to, to try and get her out of the road um, and it just kind of the whole experience kind of made me weep. And I just realized that everything in our world that's going on is, is really um, affecting us and softening us. So Mm -hmm. I think our, our practice is softening us just when we think it is not. Mm, thank you. Liam? Thank you. Um, yeah, I think um, for me, this practice um, and this program has um, really kind of opened up a whole um, sort of 
view into my internal ecosystem and then the way I interact with the external ecosystem. And um, I think that with the pandemic and the quarantine and all the kind of all the terrible stuff that's happening, um, it's sort of thrown the whole ecosystem in and in, in interdependence that, you know, that connects all of us um, into pretty stark relief, um, at least for me. And um, I think for me, it's also helping helped to uh, deepen the practice and um, to um, yeah, I'll, I think I'll just stop there. Thank you, Liam. Art. There we go. Now I can hear you. My name's Tim. I'm from oh, Santa Cruz. Sorry. I think what I've realized through this process is how important the Sangha is. And I'd just like to thank everybody for all of their input and help. Mm. Jane? Um, I want to say thank you to the teachers and I want to say thank you to everyone because in their unique ways, they've been teachers to me as well. Mm. And, um, I'm really grateful and, um, couldn't be more timely, you know, with everything going on, having this as a foundation. Um, I've, I've tried to look at this pandemic uh, for the possibilities, you know, of something new from something new. new and and gives, gives me, me uh, a great bit of support that uh, this is the foundation that I'm going onward with. And when I hear uh, all the wisdom that's out there around me, it gives me great hope for where we can be headed. Mm. So thank you. Thank you. All right, then I've got Kate and husband. Sorry, I don't know your husband's name. <laughs> Miriam, Fran, Jeff, and Mitra. That's the next row I see. So Kate, would you would you unmute and start? There we go. Uh, I'm gonna follow along with what Jane had to say and say gratitude to the teachers and gratitude to the the Sangha, uh, as Tim put it, um, and for everyone's willingness to uh, wholeheartedly adopt this new way of uh, communicating. Um, I don't think on March 10th I'd ever heard of Zoom. <laughs> and I suspect many of you uh, have had the same experience. And yet, We've all been willing to learn something new and make it make it our own for our sangha. Thank you. Uh, the the um, eightfold course path has been uh, a blessing, and I thank you all, the teachers and participants. 
it just points out just if you focus on, you know, just being a blessing to yourself and to others, um, that much of the Eightfold Path gets fulfilled. <laughs> I've, I've often um, been guided by uh, something the Buddha said, which is that there are three doors to liberation, emptiness, aimlessness, and signlessness. And um, part of it is is just... not to try to conceptualize the world so much and not to grasp at things, which is the emptiness and the connect and, and to see everything is connected, that nothing is, that we're all part of the same thing. And, and really that's the core of, of how to be a blessing is to, to let go and to not conceptualize too much um, and to feel connected. Thank you. Thank you. Marianne? There you go. Hold on. I'm trying to unmute you, but there, it's not unmuting. There we go. There we go. Um, thank you so much for all the teachers and the teachings and for the Sangha, every participant. I learned so much. Now, I'm relatively new to this practice, and, and I have learned a lot, and I really appreciate it. The thing I, I heard today, which is so... Wonderful is unsettled times lead to a new settling. That can be my brain, my practice, my life, and the life around me. And to be patient and kind and curious. Thank you so much. Thank you. Fran? Oh, um, I just can echo everybody's appreciation so much, the teachers and the Sangha. This is my first uh, adventure into to a class in Buddhism, and it's just been a wonderful experience. And it's also a great experience because I'm 71 now, and I'm going, what? I'm not 71. And it's like, yeah, I am. And tonight I can still learn so much and, and experience so many new ways to look at life is just uh, very um, energizing and I really appreciate that. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Jeff? So I want to say um, thank you to all the teachers and um, everybody in the class. Um, this was a, a, a beautiful class. I feel really grateful to, um, to have these teachings. And, um, um, yeah, you all really inspire, uh, inspire me to want to um, 
care for the world um, and care for myself. So thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. Mitra? I love this path and I love being on this path. Um, and I just want to thank you all the teachers and, and, um, and IMC and all the teachings. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Mitra. All right, the next row I have Morgan, Susan, B, uh, Ubalda, Jill, and Megan. Morgan, would you start? Thank you so much, teachers. Um, I would say the snow globe has sure, certainly been shaken up by what's been going on, and it's shaken up for everyone, the whole world. And to be able to be in the waters of the Dharma and with you teachers and with the Sangha as, as it settles, as things settle or get shaken up again or whatever is going to happen has, is just, like Mitra said, I, I love this path and so grateful for it. Um, it's just beautiful. And the, the, it's kind of like I've also been through this course a couple times and I think Chris has said in the past, it's kind of like a debugging process that can happen, um, defragmentation process, kind of like getting going into a car wash and letting it grab your tires and carrying you along through it and with it and amongst it. It's just, I'm so, I'm beyond grateful. And I thank you so, so much. Thank you, Morgan. Susan. Hi. I'm just still laughing, Morgan. I love being in a car wash with you. Oh. <laughs> okay. So, um, Susan C, hold on. It, it's Susan B. Susan B. Yes. Okay. Go ahead, Susan. I'm supposed to, is it me? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I want to thank you. I want to thank um, the teachers in the class and the Sangha. Um, I am in Benicia. Um, so uh, I really appreciate this being on Zoom. And um, it, was, it was hard sometimes to drive there. It's an hour and 15 minutes each way. And so in some ways, this was nice. Um, I really want to speak to the Eightfold Path. And um, for me, uh, intention was the first really largest turning point and I that was when the earth shook a little do you know and I went ah intention because it was a a large relief to me to realize I didn't have to do it right it was in my heart and um and then the the now at the end really it's just all about tenderness and um that's what came up when you said sort of close your eyes. And I realized it's just now about uh, I'm doing this on my heart more every day. <laughs> oh, you know, that place of holding yourself and then being able to hold others. I'm just realizing there is so much to be held now, you know, so much to witness. So that's where I am. 
Thank you. Thank you, Valda. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm in Redwood City, and I have had the opportunity to take this class a couple of times. I am, I find the Eiffel Path to be my refuge. Um, and the first factor, um, right view, is one that I am constantly aware of because it is the way I think, the way I am, the way I behave, everything is all the other. It seems to me like all the other factors are affected by the first factor. And bringing all of that together and, and um, including compassion towards myself has um, had a major impact on how I see the, I view the world, how I treat myself, and how I behave towards others. And just being aware of my hindrances and being aware of containing the reactivity that comes with the hindrances and looking at them and seeing them and accepting them without identifying myself as I am the hindrance. Um, they do affect me, and um, but I, as I look at it and I view them with compassion, I feel like I'm finally, I have a breakthrough and I can be with that, with my hindrances without aversion towards them and aversion towards myself. So I have a lot to learn. I feel like I have just beginning, begun to scratch the surface and um, I will continue with it. I will keep it as part of my life. And I am so grateful to all of you for um, being available to us, for helping, helping us uh, or helping me understand that there are better ways to live our lives. And for all of that, I'm grateful. Thank you, Valda, very much. Jill? Yes, um, I, I will have to say that um, in the, within the first two weeks of uh, being in the program, I felt completely overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed. And in all fairness, I have felt that uh, that sense of being overwhelmed all the way through. But what it did allow me to do was drive backwards to what was the foundation before even considering doing the eightfold path study. And so I was anchored by the four noble truths and in particular um, decided to settle on just understanding what suffering is in my life, which was very interesting because, of course, we began this course uh, prior to COVID-19, and here we are 
with all kinds of new definitions of suffering. So um, as many things are, it was its own blessing to discover a way to um, examine suffering and find some power and some faith out of having to look at suffering and how we respond to it. So I thank you all, the teachers and everyone in the in the group, for your your um, contributions. They were all wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Jill. Thank you. All right, um, Megan. Um, thanks to everyone in this group, and I'm really happy about the Zoom meeting because I live in. Santa Cruz and I don't I wouldn't have been able to make it to <clears throat> Redwood City um, but this has been really informative and it's lovely to hear everyone's views and um, for some reason I was always turned off by the term right like right view or right intention or and so I tend to think of it more as true like my true view, my true intention, my true speech, something that I've always known, but was kind of covered up. And so now through these teachings, it's getting more and more exposed about what my true, <clears throat> true way of being actually is. And so I just, I love these classes because they help expose um, kind of what lies underneath. So thank you so much. Hmm. Thank you. All right, and so the next people would be Terry, um, Mike, Susan, and um, your screen name is Crab Louie. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Terry, please. Yeah, uh, I'm in Moss Beach, um, and I just wanted to thank the teachers and everyone else. I think. Um, I got so much out of the course. Um, I think, I think it's basically like, it just helps me to see that we're all just humans trying to be, we're all, <laughs> and that all these, you know, whatever internal stories are, um, shared by a lot of people. Um, there's, it's more this universal and that how those internal stories, and these uh, intentions affect the external, um, and um, that that we can really have an impact with how we um, how we decide or intend to interact with each other and communicate. Um, so, uh, yeah, thank you. <clears throat> hey, I'm Dina. Um... So I guess what I would say is this, that there's this line from Sharon Salzberg that I think about all of the time, I've about for years, she says, don't pick a fight with reality. And, um, and what, where I struggled with it, I mean, I agree with it, but where I struggled was, I think it, I used to interpret it as a kind of passive thing. And it really, it was, I, I struggle with passivity, um, and so I think over this year of practice and deeply anchored by the generosity of this group and the generosity, I mean, I'm amazed of the generosity of teachers who show up to, to do this and our mentors who held it. Um, 
I can see it as a much more active, you know, internal often, but active process. And, and um, one of the, I think one of the best things that's coming out of it for me is just increased self-acceptance. So I'm, you know, accepting reality to the best I can, but it, it also, I think a huge part is just accepting myself in a different way. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Bow to you. Thank you. Mike? Mike, can you unmute? There, I did it for you. Go ahead. Try oh, now. All right. I uh, want to thank the teachers and the Sangha. Um, I'm relatively new in this practice. I've just been doing it a couple of years. And uh, this is the first time that I've been through this, this course, the, the Eightfold Path. I think what I mostly take away from it, and a lot of that is is in the subject itself, but it also is just sort of what's happening all around all of this, is that it really is about the path. And uh, I have a tendency to sort of think in terms of goals and destinations and check boxes. And that's not what this is. And, and I'm actually finding an awful lot of, of of peace and acceptance and I'm still working on a little bit of patience in, in, in settling into what, what is here and what's now. So thank you all again. Thank you. Susan T. Okay. Thank you. Um, I think, you know, I really wanted to say first, um, thank you to the teachers. Uh, this program has been phenomenal for me. Um, you know, despite meditating for years and going to uh, retreats, there has been nothing that has advanced my practice the way this program has. Um, and so I'm really thankful of that. I think that it's really softened me, helped me see myself, but also softened the way that I interact with others. Um, And I guess I kind of wanted to thank my husband who brought me into this and to just kind of briefly say what's really been interesting about it is how we've gone through month to month, you know, looking at every aspect of the Eightfold Path and how we often will stop and recognize triggers and emotions and look at each other and maybe say, hmm, I might say, you know what, that's not really real. I'm actually triggering on this, and this is what's going on with me. Or I may even look at him and go, hmm, you know, this is the other day we were talking and and I was reminding something about his mother. And, you know, I said, oh, you know, I think that remember when this happened, when I first met you 20 years ago, and I think this has to do with what's going on now. And he was like, oh, you're right, you know. And so we're just able to communicate at a much deeper level. The two of us is going through this path together. Um, it's, It's been phenomenal. So thank you. Thank you, Susan. All right. <laughs> Crab Louie. <laughs> Hi, I'm 
Rhonda Louie from San Carlos. And I've been very fortunate to stumble across IMC and I'm a friend brought me in and amazingly enough, I, we, we dove right into Eightfold Path, um, not even knowing anything about Eightfold Path. Um, I'm very, very filled with gratitude to the teachers. Um, also want to do a shout out to my mentor, Betsy, who's been helping me along each month. And um, one thing that I've, that, that Eightfold Path has helped is I feel this ease with life and I'm very now mindful when the ease is present with me. And I, um, I wouldn't have, I, I have noticed it before, but now I'm very mindful when it, when I'm, 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 I'm here and, um, and I, and I can feel it. I'm very, very mindful of it now. And thank you for, um, just all the teachings. And I'm really glad we all got to meet, um, at class in the beginning, because I don't think I could have lasted, um, eight classes on Zoom, I would have probably lost a lot of concentration. Um, um, but but taking the class um, and meeting everybody face-to-face was very helpful. So thank you for, for this. Thank you, Rhonda. All right, the last um, group of people I have, um, Gail, um, Antonio, Tori, Laura, and Scott. My, my name is Galib and I'm in Berkeley, California. And um, I just want to say thank you to the teachers and thank you to everyone else, all my peers for just all of us being mirrors to one another. I really feel like you know, there were times when I would kind of feel, okay, I don't need, I don't need this week. I'm going to sit out and I'll just watch, listen to a recording or whatever. And then every time, you know, I'm glad I made myself be there for the sessions. Cause every time I did, it was just so nice to share, you know, space and discussion with, with other folks that we can just, you know, feed off each other and support each other. And I feel like that's, that's just means a lot. So thank you. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you. Antonio. Hi, I, I am Antonio. I am a, a here in Redwood City and a, I am a Susan T. husband. <laughs> Uh, she mentioned that we have been practicing together and that has been really a gift to, to us to, to, uh, the, to be able to do the April path. Uh, as she mentioned, like uh, we have been going to retreats and, and listening to Dharma. 
but he, and listening to even to like talks on the eightfold path and, and okay, but it's the, the core of it is the practice until you practice it, until you, you take the time for splitting everything and, uh, and, and taking the time for giving it a week or uh, two or four weeks to, to one single uh, practice and, and the, that was that made it great like uh, really it's the first time I take this this class and, and uh, really has made a difference in my in my practice in my uh, it has changed the way I, I see I see the, the, my practice and, and the whole world actually because it has uh, before to me Dharma talks and all this was like a very sparse set of ideas, like infinite practically, like uh, eight, eight of this, four of that, three of that, five of that. And the April path brought it all together. And it's like uh, the pillars. Now I, I see why it's a path and why it, it, it's called right. Like uh, there's no wrong. There's, there's right, and and the right is uh, to to be in 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 this in this practice. So so I'm very very thankful for for the teachers for you taking the time for our uh, mentors all the effort that IMC puts in this. So all the people that are participate in this. And thank you very much. Thank you, Antonio. Tori. Um, I want to just thank the teachers and the mentors um, and, and the Sangha. I've found the Eightfold Path being very supportive um, this, this last year and especially now during these, these like trying times. Um, I'm, I'm quite sad that this is our last meeting, but I'm trying not to grasp. But um, yeah, I, I find it amazing that we have access to teachers and mentors that will help just progress our progress, like, like help us move along this path. And, and I just see how, how much deeper and richer and how much more I've gotten out of my meditation practice through, through things like the mentorship program and, and the Eightfold Path. And, and, and it's very humbling to have teachers that will basically tell me the same very simple teaching over and over and over until I get it. And so I'm, I'm just so grateful for, for everything. So thank you. Thank you, Tori. Laura. I, um, I just have such a deep gratitude um, for everyone, Chris, Tanya, Liz, and Bruni, who's not here, and everyone who's been in this group for the past nine months. Um, you know, this this was my first time going to IMC in person. I'd listened to recordings for several years, and 
um, just the having a community and even a virtual one now um, was something that was really incredible. I, along with this course, have just experienced such such a profound shift within myself, within my own mind, but also in terms of how I interact with others, you know, friends, family, um, co-workers, just kind of a shift of how um, I go about existing in the world. And so I've found a lot of ease and um, a lot of letting go. And this has just been incredible. So thank you all. Thank you, Laura. Scott. Hi, I'm Scott and I'm in Belmont. And just wanted to thank uh, the teachers and the Sangha and the mentors. It's been a really great experience. Um, and uh, I found it very helpful. And uh, I also have the sense of, you know, you know disappointment is the wrong word, but uh, sadness to see it, see it coming to an end. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. And just in case, is there anybody I missed? Because, you know, you move around in this forum. <laughs> I think I got everybody, but just in case, is there anyone that didn't get to share? All right. Chris, shall I hand it back to you? Well, yeah, I would just like to correct one thing. We've been saying this is the last time and, and how we'll miss it and so forth. And there is, we are still having this retreat on June 13th. So this, the, I don't know if you're aware, but there's another group of another 50 people who've been doing a parallel program with Insight Santa Cruz this year. And so our original plan was to bring the two groups together at Insight Retreat Center and have a day-long retreat. We're still going to have the retreat on Zoom, but it'll be bigger. So this was our last chance to share with this group that's been kind of intimately connected this year. But we hope that some of them will join us. So we have a program planned for June 13th. So Please join us then. We'll have some teaching, some talks, some panel discussions, some breakout groups, you know, some sits. I don't know how long. It may not be the full day long. That's a little tiring on Zoom, but we'll figure out what we're going to do. So please join us then. And it's it's just been so, I'm just so touched by everything that you said today and everything that you've put into this program all year. It's just been so delightful to see you every month and get to know some of you more in mentoring and and uh, just sharing this time together has been wonderful. I'm so happy to hear how meaningful this has been to all of you. It's really, really inspiring. I don't know if Liz has any final words. Yes, if I might just share one thing. Um, so appreciate all of you and how you have expressed appreciation for one another but I'd like to for us to end on taking three breaths of kindness and appreciation for yourselves and the way you've chosen to change the world by looking at yourself on the Eightfold Path. So with me, if you'll just gently close your eyes and breathe in some appreciation for everything that you've done this year. Every bit of effort you've made, discoveries you've made, and all of that flows out from you into your lives and into the world 
and helps become a tide of change that's helpful for liberation for everyone. May all beings be peaceful and happy. Thank you all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody. Here, I'm going to unmute everybody so everybody can say bye-bye if you want. Thank you, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.